Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for, for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder. He does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. And with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh the link in the description so uh go sign up yo welcome back to another episode of on spot sports i'm jack and today's episode we have a very special guest. We got a brand new special co-host, Anthony, on the podcast. We're going to do a little two-in-one episode where I'm going to interview him. He had an outstanding baseball career through high school, through college. So I want to get, I want to touch on that. And then we'll get right into MLB and like see and like just explain how the MLB, how we think the MLB season's gone, what our expectations for MLB playoffs, some like some of the unwritten rules. Like we've had some great conversations off camera about that so it's gonna be a gonna be a fantastic episode so please welcome to the show my special co-host guest anthony hey what's up guys anthony andres it's it's been an uh, you know it's a pleasure to be on this show i'm excited to kind of spread some knowledge on my career and what i've gone through and hopefully i can help out a bunch of people kind of get through maybe what they're doing transitioning from high school to college and a little bit of insight going from college to you know maybe getting drafted in the mlb or any other sports that it might pertain to and Really looking forward to this and, and can't wait to get going on it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's great to have you on. Like, I know we've been playing on this for probably about a month now, but we've had some scheduling issues, conflicts come up. So it's good, good to get you on. But like, how have you been? Like, how's your summer been? How's life been? How's like everything been? It's been really good. It's been really good. Summer's been great. I've done some traveling, just spending a lot of time with family. I have a 16 month old now, so he's just starting to throw the baseball around. So it's been pretty great. Um, and, and really just trying to bring everything in and take everything in. I, I spent a lot of time traveling with baseball. I spent a lot of time training and it's nice to kind of hone in on a couple different things and focusing on and, and competing in a couple different things besides sports. And, um, no, summer's been great and, you know, it's coming to an end. Hopefully we can enjoy maybe a month or two left before it starts getting cold. So <laughs> definitely yeah, been doing a lot of absolutely. golf too. So <laughs> hey, that's, that's not bad. Anytime you, anytime you have to kick back, like golf's the way to go. Like you just hit the links and just drink some beer, uh, 
and just shoot shoot the shit with your buddies and just play. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, you coach baseball as well. So like, how's how's coaching baseball this summer? Because I I've seen that you've been coaching baseball. So like, how's everything going with coaching? Like, how do you get in get into it? Yeah, so how I got into it. So last year I started with a team called the Midwest Halos. Um, they're based out of the Milwaukee area. Um, a very very top tier program and. It, kind of the reason why I wanted to get into coaching is because I'm, I'm a firm believer in giving back. And, you know, I have 29 years of experience and at least I'd say about 18 of those years spent playing baseball and just to be able to give back some of the knowledge and some of the key traits and characteristics and the work ethic that I went through and also the failures, right? I think that's one of the most important things that a lot of people miss when they're talking about this stuff. And it talks about some things that maybe I regret or some things that I could have done better. And hopefully I can do it to such a younger age group to they can learn it a lot quicker than I did and they can develop a lot faster than I did. And, and that's, if we can put kids in a and in, in young men and young women into a spot where they can, grow quicker and faster, they have a better opportunity of succeeding at the next level. And, and that's kind of why I got into coaching. I, I love helping out. That's kind of pertains to the job that I do full time, but um, just being able to give back, helping out and, and watching kids get to go to college. We've had a couple of kids committed already, which is great. Um, and actually now I'm with a new program that's located in downtown Milwaukee called the Milwaukee Hitmen. And just a phenomenal program. They're starting a little bit younger. So like 11, 12 and 13 year olds. Um, but they have some crazy talent and it's, it's crazy what you can do. It's just so fulfilling, right? When you, when you see them and you teach them something and they do it the right way. And then they want to work at it at home or they want to work at it when, you know, no one's watching. And, and that's why I love it. It's, it's something, there's something about giving back and something about watching other people succeed that I truly love. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important about like how you said, like you want to teach them about the failures because as sport, as sport has taught us and life taught us, like not everything's going to be success and like, and like all the, all the good things are going to come. Like you have to have those failures. And if you're going to, if you want to be successful, you got to come out as a failure. You're going to fail 95% of the time. And then those, that 5%, you're going to be successful. And you just, it's a, it's a cycle that you just got to keep going through it. It's going to get hard, but you just got to continue to grind through those moments. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like the same thing with me. Like I like giving back to everyone. Like I coached my old in-house in-house baseball team. Like when I was like, uh, I coached 13, uh, 17 year olds. So it's like the same thing. And just like, you love like watching them grow, like, especially from the beginning of the season, to the end of the season it's just unreal to see the growth that they've they've all developed a lot further than than they would did in the beginning of the season like it just it's just gives you so much hope and for the next generation just like continue to like keep grinding and keep developing exactly i love that i absolutely love that yeah so what have been like some of your favorite moments throughout like this past season with uh with coaching and just like what what else did you like have the or like how'd your team do uh yes. as a team great question so we actually did really well we started out so this last year was the first year this program was even even starting and uh, you know we took a group of i had the 15 year olds that were going into their 16 year old years so they were going to be juniors this year sophomores last year and just to see the type of development that happened in our first tournament one we had the winningest record in program history for the first year out of all our levels which i thought was great because our kids worked so hard um, 
and probably my most favorite moment. So perfect game puts on these tournaments all across the country. They're the, one of the largest baseball organizations to put on showcases and tournaments and get kids exposure. And so we went into this tournament and, and it was one of our last tournaments of the year. And I'm like, guys, you know, we got a chance to win this. We, we really can do this. And I really believed it. And my favorite moment, we were in the semifinal game on Sunday and we were down seven to three going into the fifth inning, um, playing a team that was pretty stacked. And in the bottom of the fifth inning, we just started getting, and I'm a big believer in energy, right? You can create it from the bench. You can create it from your fans. You can create it from your coaches. And, you know, just everybody just started getting a ton of energy. We started smacking the baseball all across the yard. We ended up taking the lead eight, seven in that inning, brought in our closer, our closers through two scoreless innings to close out the game. And then we went out of the championship and it, just that it kind of reminds me of the movie miracle. It's one of my, one of my favorite movies of all time. Her Brooks is one of the coaches that I really like to build some of my stuff behind and what they do, what they do in that, in those Olympic games, they always came from behind and you can never give up. And so then we go into the final game and we ended up throwing our, our second baseman who barely pitched all year and ended up throwing six scoreless innings. Um, just did an unbelievable job or and just to, you know, in the bottom of the seventh inning, just getting those chills, getting those tingles, knowing that we're about to win the game. Um, and it was actually my first tournament win as a coach. So to go out and, and win a perfect game tournament, first year, first program to do it, you know, in the first year that they were going. And it was just something special to me. It was something that, you know, I cherish. It's something, you know, all the work that we put in. I mean, these kids were running. I had them doing at least a mile or two a day. We had them on dietary programs and we had them on specific workouts that I had to do each day. And just to watch that work that they put in and see the return on it, right? You have to make your deposits before you can make withdrawals. And it was incredible. It was one of my most cherishing moments that I've had in baseball and especially for coaching. So. Yeah, that that's awesome because it all like even though the players are the ones playing it, like but the coaches are the ones that like could change that en energy when the team's down. Like we like throughout like this past season, like we've had those moments where like the coaches and and I like we had to like stir something up with the team, just be like, this may be your last shot to actually like do something, especially in the playoffs. Like we unfortunately lost in the semis, but like we had the same thing like you guys where we were down like 10-4 in the going in the bottom in the top of the inning and then we tie the game up but then we unfortunately go into extras and then we we lose by like a little little blooper to like between second and right field so that that hurt but like it was just about like the team just coming back coming from behind and just never giving up because in any sport you do you should not give up and like it just goes along to prove like the guys that you have on your team I agree I agree 100%. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So then we since we touched on coaching like we we should probably bring this to to the start where your baseball career started. So like what got you into baseball and like when when did you pick up that first baseball? Yeah, so I'll never forget it. My my mom and dad bought me a glove. It was an all red glove. It was just a baby glove when I was 3 years old. And for some reason, as a kid, I was always picking stuff up with my left hand and always wanting to throw. And I don't know why, but baseball for me just clicked. It was one of those things where when I was out there and I was getting, 
you're just kind of in the moment, right? We always talk about people having certain heavens, you know, what's their getaway. And for me, that was a ball field. And, you know, I grew up playing little league um, and actually through my little league career till I was about 10, I was playing, you know, in 13s and 14 year old levels, just because I wanted that. I wanted to have a little bit more competitiveness and, and get to that next level. And when I was, I was very fortunate when I was 11 years old, I tried out for a team called the Illinois Sparks, or they were the Orland Park Sparks back then. And um, I didn't realize this, but they were a national travel team and got in with them when I was 11. Um, ended up having a stellar year that year, a 12 year old year. We, I believe we went 96 and three. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. And so every single kid that was on that 12 year old team went to division one. And so it was just, and then 13 year old year and the training facilities that we had. And you just kind of, when you start to get to a point where, you know, baseball is just so fun. Any sport should be fun, right? It should never be a job. And that's why we love doing it. And it just getting, kept getting more fun and more fun. And then when I got to high school, um, that's kind of when things started to change. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're playing with these, you're playing with the same team from 11 to your 14, you're going to high school, so you're three years in. And you get to play with a bunch of different guys that you never played with before. You don't know, you don't know their work ethic. You don't know how your coaches are going to train you. And that's when you kind of find out a little bit about yourself. You kind of find out, you know, how are you going to work? How are you going to train? How are you going to adapt and, and gain more knowledge without the teammates that you have before? And I, I still played travel ball and summer ball through those times too, until I was 18 and went to college. But high school was one of those things when you got to St. You know, freshman year, I was fortunate enough to get I was put on sophomore, which was great. It was a great experience. Um, and then from there, sophomores, my sophomore year, I got brought up to varsity and then junior was on varsity and then obviously senior on varsity. But just that, just the difference and kind of what I wanted to go into is throughout high school, there's a lot of different distractions. And whether that's girls, um, whether that's friends, and the one thing that I wish a regret that I have, or one thing I wish I could have taken back is I wish I would have spent more time on the stuff that actually was going towards my future. And what I mean by that is I think about my friends and I think about the groups that I hang out with now. And, you know, the friends that I don't even talk to anymore may have taken me away from the extra training that I was doing. Or they may have taken me away from the extra 100 swings that I could have taken at night. And, and that's kind of the, the one thing I, I wish I would have spent more time thinking about where my future was. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I still trained extremely hard. I was taking 500 swings a day. I was throwing 100 baseballs a day. I was lifting. I was running. But I wish I would have done it just a little bit more. And the game of baseball, just like any other sport takes dedication, it takes commitment, and you also have to be aggressive with it. And I mean, you have to be, you have to be committed to a game that you fail seven out of 10 times and you can be a hall of famer. So that's kind of, and you know, high school was great. Our junior year, we went to the state championship, was fortunate enough to, you know, in the super sectional game to go to state, I ended up actually hitting in the winning run in front of 3,200 people. So it was like one of the craziest experiences I've ever had. Um, and then going to state was great. Unfortunately, we came in second both years. Um, but just the, the learning experiences and taking from, taking from the failure after the first year and then going into my senior year of going to state and then 
going back and doing it, you kind of learn, you know, how you can get better, how you can train harder. And, and that's exactly what we did. It, it's our high school team was stacked. I mean, we had, uh, I think the starting nine, my junior and senior year all went D one as well. And so it was, it was a very, very fun program, but also extremely competitive. And uh, I'll never take any of that back. I mean, it was one of the most fun times I've ever had, you know, I played baseball year round. So high school ball started in the spring when it was super cold in Illinois, you know, we were playing when it was snowing out. Yeah. Um, and then from there, once state was over, we played, you know, 90 to hundred games in the summer, traveling all across the country, playing in multiple tournaments a year. And then in the fall, I would do the same thing. We'd play fall ball. So we would play anywhere from six to tournaments. Um, and it just gets you really good exposure. And I was very fortunate enough to have parents that allowed me to do that as well. Great. So now I, high school baseball was fun. It was an experience and it definitely got me prepared for the next level. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That, that those experiences that you take from those, from those years is incredible because you don't, especially looking back at it, like you don't really look like as much as you should, like in high school, like about like your future, but like, if you really want, you really want it, like that's all you got to be focused on. Like it take commitment, dedication, like you said, and like, you don't realize that till you grow up a little bit and just think back and it's like, wow, I sh should have spent more time, like, like hitting baseballs, throwing more, a little couple more pitches. Like, it's all like the little things that I've learned is just, it's all about the little things. And that's what separates you from a lot of other people. Absolutely. It's, you, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because all my coaches growing up, even when I started out, they said the biggest thing is the little things. And you don't really, like you said, you don't really realize it until you take the jersey off for the last time and it, and it kind of hits you and you're like, you're like, man, is this really the end of it? Is this really the ride? You know? And then you start thinking like, man, is this how I wanted it to end? Is this, you know, where I wanted it to go? And, you know, you just gotta, you, you have to live with those choices. That's the biggest thing, right? You have to live with the choices that you made because yeah. you can never go back. And I mean, I would never regret anything that I did. It was a, it was definitely a blast. So but yeah yeah absolutely it's like what were those like state state championship runs like and just even though you guys lost both both years but like you learned so much from those experiences and like you those are some of the times you never you always want you always sit back on them and just re react to them and just think about them all the time so like what, was, what were those experiences like honestly it was crazy it there's something about playing in front of thousands of people that that just really makes you you really kind of understand who you are um and pressure you have to learn how to cope with the pressure and and deal with it in the moment and i think that's what separates a lot of good players from bad players or good players to great players and it's being able to handle that pressure being able to handle that time when you know your team needs you when you're down by one run in the sixth inning and you're able to clutch that base hit or you're able to get that final strikeout and you know the, the run that we had, you know, going through regionals, we always seemed to have an okay time. It was pretty easy. And then we ran into sectionals. Sectionals was pretty good. But once you get to the super sectional game, right before you're about to go to state, you kind of get that butterfly feeling in your stomach. And you don't know how it's going to go, especially being, you know, a sophomore playing on varsity and then a junior doing it as well. Um, and being part of that starting lineup, it, it was a big deal to me. And you almost have to kind of hold yourself a sense of pride and, and understand where you are and, and take it pitch by pitch. That's one of my biggest things that I could always say about baseball is don't think about the last pitch. Don't think about the future one. 
think about the pitch that you're about to do or about to get. And just something about hearing, hearing the fans cheering your name and hearing my parents screaming my name while I'm pitching and closing out that game. And it, it, it's something that I'll never forget. It's something that an energy that you can think back on, it'll still give you goosebumps to this day. And, you know, same thing with my senior year. It, it's something where and I think it's a little bit different when you go into your senior year because, you know, the final year before you go off to college, granted, I was already committed at that time to go to NIU. So I knew I was already going to go play division one baseball, which was always a number one goal of mine going into freshman year. And just making sure I left my final footprint on how I wanted it to my senior year and build some momentum going into my freshman year of college. And that's exactly what we did. Granted, we came up short. But what I learned from that is how to handle the powerful situations and handle the tough situations where it's okay if you fail, right? It's okay if you don't succeed, but it's how you pick yourself back up and go attack it the next year and then go attack it the next year and learn from those failures. And that inevitably we ended up going on. Finally, we got, we won our, we won our act division my junior year, which was great. And I was able to close out that game too, but you know, it, it, there's something about playing in an atmosphere and playing in playoff baseball. And we'll get to that in the MLB, but just something about it that just makes everything amplified and makes everything just so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you said like pitch by pitch, like those are, that those are literally the exact words I would say to my guys, like when we'd be like losing games and like, just take it pitch by pitch, batter by batter. Like that's all you can con- that's what you can control. Like yes. the, another important thing is like control what you can control because you can't control everything, but like you can control if your mindset's thinking about pitch by pitch, or if you're thinking about like the, the how the game's going, like that's uncontrollable. And you just got to learn from that experience and just keep it, keep it in the moment. And just that confidence is huge as well. Like you have to be confident, especially as you get like to the higher levels, like confidence is key. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then you go on to play D1 baseball at NIU. So like, what, what was that whole experience? Like just going from like high school ball to your freshman year, like where were some of your expectations going in and like some of the goals that you wanted to get out of it? Absolutely. So, and this is kind of one of the things that I really hope young baseball players listen to. And, and even anybody in any sport that's transitioned from high school to college at any level. And, you know, out of high school, you know, you think you're super good, right? You're talented. You trained hard. You're like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to start my freshman year. And all of a sudden you walk on campus day one, you go to your first meeting and you've got 35 other guys around the country that were just as good as you, if not better. And they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, um, depending on what year they are. And I, I guess that was one of the more humbling things that I've ever can remember about going going through and you know I didn't I didn't play much my freshman year um and going from an area where I was playing all the time where I was starting you know it kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit where hey maybe you need to spend extra hours in the gym maybe you need to spend extra time with your trainers or maybe you need to start doing a little bit more extra stretching getting more flexible and and that's kind of the one thing I wish I would have done more is, you know, when you don't, when you don't make the travel roster for the first time, because you can only travel with 33 guys. So they leave a bunch of guys behind. And I'll never forget, you know, spring trip rolls around, we're getting ready to go, they're going to head out to ASU. 
And all of a sudden I didn't get a, I didn't get an itinerary. Our coach would go around and hand out the itineraries for the guys that were traveling. And there were me and then my roommate who I stayed with all the time on all our trips, he didn't get invited either. And it kind of hit home for us and it kind of kicked us in the butt and we did extra training and we, you know, we did everything that we possibly could to make sure that the next trip we made and we did. And if that's one thing I can tell people is if something doesn't go your way, right in college, you know, you're going to go in and you may not travel your first trip. You may not travel the second trip, but if you can just stick to your workout plan, if you can stick to the dedication and sacrifices that you need to make, all of those will pay off. And it's, it's wild to think how much faster the game of baseball is when you go to college. You know, you move up from seven innings to nine innings, which makes the game an extra hour and a half. So you have to be more physically fit. You have to can't get fatigued as much because the game's going to be a little bit longer. The umpires are a lot more stricter with their strike zones. Um, and the other teams have got some big boys, I'll tell you that. And it, it's just a completely different game. It's a completely different atmosphere and environment that you have to adapt to. And it, it was definitely an eye-opener for me to to see the amount of I guess this more steps that people took and the more talent there was at that level and because you know you think you think when you're going into it you're like oh you know I'm not gonna have a no I'm not gonna have any problem transitioning it's gonna be school but but then you realize too and another big thing is time management and not only you know, I'll kind of take you through a day of what we had in Division One baseball. So you have to wake up at 5 a.m. because you have conditioning at 5.30. 5.30 to 6, conditioning, 6 to 7.30, 8 o'clock, you had weight training. And then your classes were from 8 to about 12 or 8 to about 1. You had to sit in the front row of all those classes. Um, they, did, they did class checks as well. So you had to make sure that you showed up to class every single day. And then from there, you'd have to grab a quick lunch or whatever protein shake or whatever you wanted to do from there. And then we'd have practice from two till six. And then after that, you'd have uh, meetings and you'd have uh, kind of, we had to do study tables as well. Or study times you had to do eight hours a week or 10 hours a week, depending on your workload. So you did that usually from about six to about eight. And then... From there, from about Tokyo, probably about, because you walked everywhere. I didn't have a car in college. So all I did was walk everywhere, took the bus. And so by the time you get back, it's about 8.30. You got to make yourself dinner. You got to do your homework. You got to study. And then on top of it, you got to find time to get sleep. And that was every day during the off season. And it's even it's even more difficult when you, when you start traveling. And if, if that's something that I could tell young athletes today is in high school, start managing your time and start breaking your schedules down. You know, what do I need to get done in this time? What do I need to get done in this time? What do I need to get done in this time? And it's just going to benefit you more once you get to college because you're basically doing two full-time jobs. You're going to school full-time. You have to maintain your academics and grades. So you're able to travel and stay eligible and you still have to be able to perform while you're on the field and while you're training. So I think that's one of the, the things that I don't think a lot of people understand when it, when it comes to, how much work it actually takes. And I went to a mid-major. NIU is in the MAC conference. It's a mid-major division one school. And it's even more intense at higher levels. And just putting yourself in a position that you can already be comfortable within that position, start doing it early, start doing it in high school. So that way, when you get to it, you're not shocked about it. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I love like that entire thing, like the, all the experiences you went through through your freshman year, because like especially that big one where it's like guys are stronger, bigger, and like they're just as good, even better than you, because a lot of people will go in starting starting every game, like you said, and then they go in, they don't play as much. So like they have to face that obstacle and it's tough to overcome when you, you're not ready for that. And it just hit, hits you like that. But like, 100%. I like how you, I like how you went through it though. And just like got better because of it. Cause that's what matters. Just going, going through it, grinding, even though you might not be playing as much, but like you gain that experience and you gain that, that knowledge. So when you, when your time does come, like you're, you're ready to go. Absolutely. You have to be prepared to be in any moment at any time when your number is called. And yeah. that's what we prepared for. And you have to be successful in that moment. And they're not, there's five to six other guys in that bullpen, or there's five or six other guys on that bench that are willing to take your spot. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So then you go into your sophomore year where you have that, have that experience and just even though you didn't play as much, but like you got that experience when you did have that opportunity opportunity to play. It's like what was what was that sophomore year like and just being able to gain more gain more knowledge of the college game. It was awesome. It, you know, I started to, I started to get a little bit smarter with how I worked out body. Um food food is a huge important factor when you're going through all this stuff. And that's something I definitely learned within my sophomore year is how to fuel my body the right way to make my body perform while I was on the field. And granted, I know there's some obstacles when it comes to money and kids having, you know, being able to buy groceries or being able to get their food from their school. And it's all about nutrition and diet and making sure you're staying hydrated. And also flexibility is a big part of that. And that's kind of what I focused on my sophomore year was, was being smarter on how to get stronger. And I was spending extra time in the gym. I was spending extra time running. So what did that mean? I had to spend extra time eating and fueling my body. And just as much, just as hard and, you know, tough we are in our bodies, we have to be that much tougher in our post-recovery. And that's something, you know, taking our, taking ice baths when you need it, um, heating pads and stretching when you need it, going to your trainers to make sure you can stretch out. I actually, my sophomore year, I ended up throwing out my back and, you know, it was one of those injuries that I, it sucked. I, it was because I wasn't that flexible and I took that experience. I took the, all the pain and the suffering that I went through and I was like, okay, well, how can I adjust this? How can I fix this? So this never happens again. And that's what I spent my entire sophomore year doing is, you know, looking at all of our seniors and juniors, how they worked my freshman year, modeling myself after that, and then incorporating what they were doing into my sophomore year to make myself better. And I'm a big I'm a big believer in modeling yourself after successful people. And, you know, if they're successful and I do the same things that they're doing, but I do it a little bit better and a little bit sooner, how much more successful can I be? And that's what I did my whole sophomore year. I ended up pitching a little bit more. I started to close a little bit more. And that's what really broke me through into my junior year. My junior year was my breakout season. It was the best year I've ever had playing baseball. Um, I was our closer. I ended up winning five or six games that year. Um, we had the lowest ERA in our, in the MAC conference as well. Um, and, and what I take for my freshman and sophomore year, granted, I didn't play that much. I didn't pitch that much, but I started really understanding and visualizing and seeing what other people were doing around me so that I could do the same things and be able to play. 
And, you know, when you start doing those things and then all of a sudden you start to see little results, it's, it's like addictive. It's, it's what, it's what all of us do when we get competitive, right? And we see a little win, we want more and then we get another win and then we want more and we get another win. And that's what started happening. And I started pitching more. I started getting more outs, more putting up more zeros on the board. And, and that's what ended up taking me into my junior year. And I actually got invited to go play in the Northwoods League. Um, which is a summer, it's a summer baseball league. It's the top summer, top two summer baseball league in the country. Um, ended up going down and playing for the Eau Claire Express and had the most fun. I ended up throwing 27 scoreless innings in a row. Um, at that time, I was starting to get looks from the Orioles, the club, the Cubs, the White Sox, and the Braves. Um, and it was the first time in my life where I'm like, man, I, I might be able to do this. Like this thing could really become a dream. It could become a reality for me. And it, it was, it was, it was one of the most amazing feelings knowing that all of the work and all of the pressure that I had my freshman and sophomore year, even though I wasn't playing, but all of those hours that I spent in the gym that were extra, all the hours that I spent extra running and focusing on my diet and nutrition, it paid off. And it was very, very awesome to see. And, and I'll never, I'll never forget that. It, it's, a, it's a success. I talk about a lot about, you know, celebrating your little wins and your little successes. And those are one of those ones that's a reminder in the back of my head, you know, even in my job today where I'm like, man, you know what you went through, you can definitely make it through whatever you're going through now. And it was, it was just an unbelievable experience. And going into that, I was riding a nice high wave into my senior year. Um, you know, I had a great senior year, it ended up pitching. Well, again, we had the lowest ERA in the Mac. Um, the only unfortunate thing is, is we had the second worst batting average as a team in the country. So like out of 245 teams, 244. Oh, um, so the run support wasn't there, but you know, we battled and, and we did everything we could to put ourselves in a position. And, you know, it, I'll never forget the last, the last game I pitched against Toledo and, you know, I got pulled and it was just one of those things where you kind of realize, like, man, I've, I've every little memory that you've had since you were three years old, since I started playing baseball until now, all of a sudden just rushed through my head. And it, it's one of those things where you, you really hope that you can go on to the next level and you can really play at the next level. But you realize that, you know, there are a ton of other baseball players out there that are shooting for the same thing. And so, but it, no, junior year was great. Senior year was great. I learned a lot, you know, from my freshman and sophomore year experiences and, and we grew from there and, and definitely became a better man and a better baseball player from it. So. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And just like going through like the, the Northwoods league, when you had 27 scoreless innings, like straight, like what, what was going through your mind throughout like all those innings that you were just pitching scoreless innings? my whole mindset was, and I don't, it was like, almost like I was in a trance. It was like, let me throw zero. Every zero that I throw up on the board gives my team a better opportunity to win. And that was my goal. Every single day, every time I went out there and pitched, if I could put a zero on that board, I knew I was doing my job to put my team in a position to win. And, you know, after 10, it was kind of like, oh man, this is kind of crazy. You know, 15, 16, um, you know, I started getting invites to go do, I was player of the game. Um, and I'll never forget it. I did an interview at the end of the game and they were talking through and they're like, do you understand? Like you, you know, you're thrown 16, 17 scoreless innings, your team's on a winning streak right now. And they start asking you and talking you through like what you're thinking. And, and at that point you're just living and you're, you're doing your job and, and doing what you're supposed to do to put your team, put your, put yourself in a position in your team in a position to win. And it's funny 
when I first got there, the first game I ever pitched, and we talk about failures. So first day I get there, we're playing in, uh, oh my God, where were we playing at? I don't remember where we were playing at, but um, the crowd was huge. There was like 2,000 people there, 3,000 people there. I get in, first pitch, I'm playing, I'm pitching against the starter, starting catcher for the Texas Longhorns. Threw a fastball right down the middle. Dude hits it 450 feet. And I'm like, oh man, you think in the back of your head, like, what am I doing here? Like, is this really a, a place for me? And, you know, I ended up getting the, I ended up getting the next three outs. And from that moment through my 27 scoreless, that same kid ended my streak. So it was the last game. It was the last game that I pitched. Um, it was, I think it was the bottom of the eighth inning. I had two outs, struck out the two batters before I'm breaking balls threw the kid a same breaking ball and he just sat on it and he hit it another 450 feet. And wow. it was, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, Oh, you know, I can't believe that just happened, but I was super proud in the moment for what I just accomplished and, you know, having people cheering your name and, you know, cause you live with host families at that time as well. Cause I was traveling and having your host family right on the board, like 16, 17, 18 scoreless innings. And, it was just something really special to me. It was something that I'll never forget. And um, it was definitely a ride. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It comes full circle. And the guy that like the, that guy that started your streak or like the batter after started your streak. And then the got the same guy ended your streak like that. It just comes full circle. And like, you're like, dang, I really wish I could have struck this or struck this guy out or <laughs> like put a little like ground out line out, put out like something like that. But like it just goes to to say like how good of a player he is and just that he was able to just do that like Absolutely. both times too. Yeah, he was a very, very good baseball player and very respectful. And he was a definitely I love playing tough competitors like that because you want to play the best of the best to show who you really are. It was great, man. It was fun. Yeah, definitely a fun absolutely. time. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. So like did you ever face like that pressure of like when those like the Orioles, Sox, Cubs, like when they're looking at you, like, did you ever feel that pressure when you knew that they're, they're scouting you? No, you know, that's the kind of thing that for me, for baseball, baseball was never a job. It was never, never seemed to be pressure in it. And the reason why I say that is because, and I say this when I coach, when kids kind of start struggling or kids kind of getting, getting overwhelmed with everything, I'm like, Hey, all right, I want you to slow everything down. And I want you to visualize right before you run on the field, before you grab your glove and you sprint out to your position, think back the first time you jumped on a baseball. You weren't thinking about anything, but the dirt, your cleats, your glove, the ball, and just being out there and having fun. And that's what it was like for me. Every time I crossed the line onto that field, it was like I was a kid again. And, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever seen it, but it's called The Love of the Game. And it's a great baseball movie. And he talks about the clearing mechanism. And it's, it's basically wiping out everything around you and just centering in on the moment and understanding where you're at and just having fun. And that's what it was like for me. That's why the moment, you know, it never was too much for me. And the reason why I say that is because it, it never seemed that way. It never seemed that everything was overwhelming the crowd or the score or the inning or how many outs there were. It was more or less me just going out there and being a kid and having fun. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's the same way for me, like whether it be baseball, hockey, like cross country and track now, like 
once you get on the on the field course rink like whatever like nothing nothing matters it's just you and you're playing the game you love like that's that's how I think about it. and like like I could be stressed like before getting on the ice but once I hit the ice like um, I'm a kid again and it's just I'm just do, playing the game I love and just enjoying every moment of it exactly because we always there's a limited amount of days that we have to play and you got to enjoy every single one of them yeah absolutely so before we move on to the MLB I know we talked about this earlier but in 2004 you were part of the Team USA uh, Pan Am games and I said and I I know you said it was one of your best experiences of baseball so like and you won a bronze medal in that in that series like what was that opportunity like and like that whole experience so to be honest that was one of the most probably one of the craziest things that I've ever been a part of and the the reason why I say that is because you had to get invited to go to it. Me and three of three of my teammates um, who were a part of that team ended up actually going down there. And and for me, there's something about representing your country. Like when you put the USA across your chest, there's something about representing it that you just want to do your best. And that's something that I really cherish, and and I'll never forget it. One of the best games I ever threw was against Team Brazil. I threw 150 pitches, um, complete game. We ended up getting the win. And it it's just one, my 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 high school coach wasn't very happy that 150 pitches in the game, but that's all right. Um, because I was willing to do whatever it took to get the win. Yeah. And you know, going down there, baseball isn't just a sport down there, it's life. And we were down in Aruba, we were down there for 15 days. Um, and seeing some of how their interacted and how some of their kids cherish the game of baseball almost made me love it just that much more. And a lot of times we can take for granted a lot of the things that we have here, whether that's getting new cleats or new balls or new bats, um, new hockey gear, you know, in any sport, you know, we really have the opportunity to go get it if we want it or if we can, if we can afford it. And for them, it's not the case. And to see, to see how baseball played at a level where, you know, there's nothing but love for it is incredible. Um, and we ended up, yeah, we ended up going and we won the bronze medal. It was great. Um, it was a great experience, especially coming home, jumping on the plane and we had our jerseys on and we had the medals around our neck and everybody was cheering. And, you know, it, it's the first time I ever traveled by myself for 15 days as well. Cause unfortunately my parents couldn't come with. And so it's just, I'll, I'll never forget how crazy the fans were and how crazy the players were just to be out there. And it's, it's an experience I'll never forget. And I'm hoping that my son one day or any other players that I can bring up and coach will get the opportunity to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's an unreal experience with a ton of great, like things you learned throughout that, throughout that process. So like, I have like two, a couple more questions about your career before we hop into the MLB season. So uh, like, do you have any other tips for younger players looking to get to that next level, whether it be high school, college, or jumping into like that, that pro level? Yeah, so absolutely. And that's a great question. And the best, the best advice that I can give to any young player, any young athlete right now is if you have a dream and you have goals, don't let anything stand in your way and don't let don't let the opportunity of or what I like to think about is always imprint in the back of your head 
the last day you could possibly play your sport. And if you really want to make it to every single level, that moment will never happen. And it, it to drive you. One of the biggest things that I've always had was how are, you, how are you going to work when no one's watching? How are you going to work when no coaches are around? And, and that's what it takes. This, any sport, it takes seven days a week, you know, not 24 seven, cause that's a little crazy, right? But seven yeah. days a week, 365 days a year, you have to be dedicated to that. And you know, you have an opportunity to make a dream become a reality when it comes to these things. And not only do you have a, an opportunity to make your life great, but think about all the sacrifices that your parents, the people around you have to make. Um, you really want all those sacrifices to go towards nothing, right? And, and if you, that's the other thing. If you don't love the game that you're playing, whether it's hockey, football, baseball, rugby, lacrosse, like whatever you're playing, and you don't love it, it's just the time not to do it. Because the amount of work and the sacrifice and the dedication that you have to put into it is, is, is for the people that truly, truly love it. And I always say, don't have any regrets when you look back 13, 15 years from now. And continue to work, continue to grind, put in the extra effort on the little things, make sure you pay attention to detail. Um, another big thing I wish... And, you know, starting out was I wish I would have read more books about, you know, how to get better with your body, how to get stronger, how to eat better. Um, I think knowledge is power. And, it, you know, there's a lot of distractions like we talked about with friends and, and, and other things. And I think if people start to see the bigger picture around that and where they want to go, they'll actually get there. And, and that's what I wish I would a little bit more. And that's one of the experiences that I take from my career as well. Yeah, that, those are some great tips, especially like you just got to keep grinding. Like it's a process and like it's about the journey, not the destination. Like you're not going to just end to go from point A to point B just in a straight line. Like there's going to be those those bumps, those those like terrible obstacles that you go through, the bad the bad steps of the way. But like as long as you like keep grinding, keep grinding away, like eventually something's going to open up and you're going to have an opportunity somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you get that opportunity to go play at the next level, take it, take every chance of it. There is nothing like playing college athletics. There's nothing like having that experience. And, and I promise you, no one will regret it if you go do it. Yeah, absolutely. So my final question for this topic is, uh, what's, what were some of your favorite spots to travel to when you're throughout your baseball career, whether it be high school, whether it be college, like anything? That's a great question question so um my favorite number one place that I ever played at and I pitched there as well was when we went down to Oregon State they were it was our senior year they were ranked number one in the country um and I don't know I don't know if you know um one of the names that a lot of people probably will know is Mike Comforto he plays for the Mets yeah. um I got him out he hit a ball 410 feet to dead center and a change it but my center fielder caught it um but just knowing his potential and, you know, you can tell, you can, for me, you can almost see a major leader in college when you watch them yeah. play and just one of just watching him step up in the box and his approach and his patience and his eye, like it was incredible. And the fans were crazy. Everybody was going nuts. And it's like one of those college atmospheres that I'll never forget. So that's definitely my top one. The second one was probably when we went down to play Tennessee at the University of Tennessee. Um, 
it was crazy. They had people, they had all these, so their outfield is lined with a bunch of tables and a bunch of like basically for their student section and all the kids are getting drunk and they have their kegs out yeah. there and like do whatever they can. And like, no joke, they would heckle you and they would like go on your Facebook. They would go on your, they'd go on all your social media and like figure out your family, your friends, your girlfriend, they start yelling stuff at you. So it was like, just being in that environment and um, I would have to say Tennessee was probably my second one for college. And my third one for college was when we went down to Texas. Tech. Um, that was nuts. I mean, baseball down in Texas is a completely different level. Um, it's something that I wish everybody had the chance to go see. So if you ever have a chance and you're down in Texas and you're either in Texas Tech or you're at Baylor or University of Texas, I always recommend going and seeing a game. Um, cause it's just something that you'll never experience. And I was fortunate enough to pitch in all three of those places. And it was, it was, it was unbelievable. One of the best experiences I had in college. And I would say for high school, um, our travel ball team, we traveled all across. We went to 43 States out of 50. Um, I would say Florida playing down in Sarasota, Florida, um, for the WWBA national championship. We came in second for that tournament, um, for team Cangelosi. And you get to play at the Marlins and St. Louis Cardinals spring training facilities. And the championships games were held in their the, uh, spring training facility, like home fields. Um, so you kind of just get that itch, that sense, like, man, I want to do this for a living. Like, this is what I want to do. I can see my training and playing and, and doing all those things. So it was just, it was just one of those things where in the moment, and I think back to it now, I mean, so when you're playing in the backstop at this tournament, you've got 40 to 50 of 45 to 50 scouts all in golf carts with their titles and the teams that they're the teams that they're there for, and they're all watching the game. And I'll never forget we were playing a team called the Ohio Warhawks. And every single kid wasn't from Ohio, they were from Arizona. I ended up picking off three guys that came and got two of the coaches kicked out. And it was like probably one of the most fun games I've ever had playing baseball. And, um, it's just, it's just those experiences and it's crazy. I haven't thought of these memories in quite a long time. So it's, it's kind of nice to bring back up and, um, it's something definitely special. I would say going down to Florida and then out in California as well is probably my two favorite places to play. So. Yeah, that that's unreal. And those are some great places, warm places as well. And like, you can't get much better than going to either of the coast or going to Tennessee where you can see mountains and like all the all like the elevation is over there. So I can't complain there. No, speaking of, speaking of that stuff, probably the coolest place with the coolest backdrop was when we went to Nevada. Um, you had their field and you had the mountains in the background and oh, it's so surreal. It's so beautiful. I, I kind of get jealous for people that get to play in a place like that every single day. So that's the thing. If you're, if you get the opportunity to play in a place like that, just remember every single day that, that the moment that you're in and cherish it because it's going to be fun. Yeah, that that's unreal. So uh, thanks for sharing your your baseball career story here a little bit. And I want to transition into the MLB right now. So of course, so MLB 20, 2021 MLB seasons, uh, almost like a month away from being done, probably less than that. It's like, what are your thoughts on the MLB season so far? And like, what, what are some of your expectations going into the best time of the year? One, I got to I gotta kind of go out and say this. I'm a big Yankees fan, so I'm really hoping they can pull through here. Um, they've kind of been on a little bit of a losing streak lately, but they're around a little bit, so I hope they can catch the wild card. Um, but I would say probably the most shocking team is the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Um, one, I don't understand why they don't have any fans that come out to their games, which blows my mind. But just kind of see a franchise, you know, from last year to this year, still be able to grow that potential. You know, you see a lot of teams that will do one-year runs, two-year runs through the playoffs. And to see them kind of fill what they did last year and do it again this year um, kind of makes me extremely excited to watch them in the playoffs again. Obviously, a guy coming from Chicago, um, my Nana was a huge White Sox fan. I, you know, I grew up on the South Side going to high school. So the Chicago White Sox are probably one of the most surprising teams, I would say, that I, that I thought would have a good year. They've got a great pitching staff. Their lineup is really starting to hit really well. So that's kind of one of those things that I'm really proud of. I wish the Cubs would be doing a little bit better, but it's okay. I understand, but it's all right. Um, and then you've got your big teams, you know, Houston and Atlanta. Atlanta is really good. I really like watching Dansby Swanson play in college, which was great. So it's good to see him successful. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say probably the two teams that I think would be the most surprising would be the Rays and probably the White Sox right now. So yeah, I don't know what's your, what's your what's your take on that. Who do you think is gonna? Who do you think is the most surprising to you in your opinion? Yeah, I have in my notes right here. I have the White Sox, and just because of like the past like three years, like they've been under like under the spotlight recently because of like the prospects they've been getting, the off seasons they've been having, and just getting all these players that are like top prospects, and then them finally coming into the big leagues and and making a name for themselves, like. We've seen them hit all season, like, and they weren't even healthy for a lot of the season. And like, yep. once that once that lineup gets healthy, like, that's a that's a team to mess with. Even though, even even though with when they're not healthy, like they're still like you still should not mess with them. And then the second the second team would either be would either be the Tampa Bay Rays, like you said, or the San Francisco Giants, like the Giants. Yes. The Giants have been a big team this year. Like last year, they're also a pretty big team, if I remember correctly. But like just to see like the consistency of the Giants and like how like they got Chris Bryant now from the Cubs, like just to see like their their team like developing and like all the guys that, that, that they're getting that are really high quality players. Like those are also teams that like surprise you and like you're like, wow, like these are two like powerhouse teams. Absolutely. I, I found it crazy that, you know, when Rizzo, Baez, and Brian all got traded the first night in the first game with their new teams, they all hit homers. And, it's, you know, it, it hurts your heart a little bit because you think back to the 16 Cubs and you're like, oh, man, I wish you could do it again. Um, but it's it's good to see those guys successful. You know, I'm I'm with you with the Giants. I think, you know, when they had that run every single year when they won, you know, every other year for three years. And there's something about something about the Giants that you just always think about. You want them to be successful. I don't know what it is about it. It's kind of like when the Phillies had Ryan Howard and the Flying Hawaiian. And I, you know, I'm with you. I, I really hope the Giants can make a run here and I just, I want to see a very interesting playoff system. I want to see teams that I like seeing teams that normally aren't in it every single year that, that get an opportunity to do it. And hopefully it's not Boston, just kidding. Um, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I really hope the giants can pull through here and, and make a good little run at the end of the season here. Yeah. And the giants are like super consistent. Like you love to see like the consistency of teams, especially like when they have that much success and go into the playoffs and, blow through the playoffs into the, into the championship game like you 
like it's it's cool just seeing them consistently be in the playoffs and consistently being at to, at the top of the league. Well, and then you have to think about how good are their how good are their front offices, right? Because you have to you have to not only maintain your good players, but you have to grow your farm systems. And you know, I know a lot of people you know say the Yankees buy their teams or other teams will buy their talent, and it's more or less you know you have to see how many guys are coming up through their spring through their farm system. And I think the Giants have done a great job developing their players. Um, obviously, the Yankees have done a great job just based off their winning percentages. The Cubs back in 2016 did an unbelievable job with all their guys. And thing with the Rays, um, it's just really good to see those young players come into the show and succeed and grow their teams like that, which is great. Yeah, it's all it's all about the farm systems. Like you could you could only go a few like what five six years of just like guys in the show and then you get those new players coming in and just getting those guys from going from single a to double a to triple a and then finally making it in the show like it's it's all about the younger generation like just the guys that are coming up from the farm systems into the into the mlb teams one i think you're 100 right and and that's kind of the thing that i think a lot of people miss about baseball is you know, basketball, you get drafted, you either go to the summer league, you go to the D league, or you go to the, you go to the NBA football, you know, you, you go to spring camp. And if you either, if you don't get cut, you don't make, if you do, you get to play the regular season or you get to go into preseason. And with baseball, when you get drafted either out of high school, or out of college, you go to short season, which short season is about 40 to 50 games from there. You know, hopefully you get an opportunity to play rookie ball. And then you have low A, high A, single A, double A, and triple A. And then if you're lucky enough to make it through all those stages, you know, you get to go to the show. And, and that's what I think is so crazy. I mean, I've had a bunch of buddies who have gotten drafted and, you know, just the grind that you have to do living on air mattresses, you know, paying for your own rent. And, you know, to finally make it to that top, it's got to be some kind of feeling that's, that's crazy. That'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I find it funny how they have like low A, high A, single A, and then it goes on double A, triple A. Like if you didn't know that, you'd think it just goes single A, double A, triple A, like like it, like a lot of leagues do. But you have like that yeah. high, that low, and then that like single just A league. It's, it's weird, but but it's about the going up the going up the systems for sure. Absolutely, it's you know I also think a, a team that I always wish is super successful is the Dodgers. You know just what they have Matt Scherzer congrats on getting your 3000 strikeout by the way yeah. one of few pitchers to be able to do that in the MLB in all of it and it's their team is unbelievable I'm a, I was a pitcher in college as a pitcher through high school as a hitter in high school too but just to watch those guys and how good they really are to make pro hitters look like that I mean it's crazy it's nuts yeah 100% like pitchers are like the go-to like like you love seeing like these guys come up and then like seeing how they do in the majors and like they're just shutting guys down that, that are vets in the league and you're just like wow absolutely and then also like some hitters you like you get guys that are throwing 100 miles an hour and you're like how the heck are you doing that man like hey just they're that's like when people you know say you know oh like those guys aren't that good or how are they how are they not hitting the ball or like how are we not winning at that level it is incredibly hard to do 
And you have to give those guys props to be able to take a 95 mile an hour fastball and hit it 450 feet. Like it's, it's just one of those things. I think hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in sports, if not the hardest thing to do in sports besides hockey. I have a very huge respect for hockey players and what they can do on ice. And it's, it's just crazy to me, the type of talent and the type of skill level that some of these guys have not only talent wise, but knowledge wise as well. Baseball IQ is off the charts. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Like, what was your average below when uh, you were in college? I was, I would sit around like 85 to 88 and, you know, hit 89 a couple times. Um, off speed was great. And I was able to control the running game really well. So it's just one of those things where I felt like if I would have gotten to the next level, maybe would have had a little bit better of a coach that would be able to develop me a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe could have made some changes, but, you know, I did everything I could. And, and we put ourselves in a position to hopefully get to the next level and we didn't. And now we're being successful in, in another, another type of, uh, another type of environment. So. Oh yeah. That, that's all that matters. The, is even though you couldn't, you, you didn't make the next level, you, you're making the most of it now. Like that's all that matters. Just no regrets. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, who is your early candidate for world series champions this year? Oh, well, if I'm going to have to say the Yankees, but hopefully, you know, if they don't make the wild card, I'll pick a second team. I would honestly, I'm, I really think the Dodgers, if they make, if they make it into, they have the pitching staff. I think defense, defense wins baseball games and defense wins championships. And I really think they have the offense already there. I would, I would definitely say the Dodgers or the Giants are definitely my front runners. But if I had to pick a sleeper pick, I think the Sox have a chance to take it all. Yeah, right there with you. Like I think I think the Sox definitely do have a chance at a World Series this year. Like their pitching staff, like once you put like Cease, Giolito, Kopech in there, like that's and like Lynn, like you have a bunch of other pitchers that can go go the distance and their defense is solid. And then once you get a healthy lineup together, like they're they're hitting it out of the park like nothing. Yeah, they're gonna be dangerous. They're gonna be dangerous once October runs around, that's for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Playoff baseball is the best time of the season. Like that's when uh, all the, all the hype is going around and like you, it, any baseball game that you can catch during the season of October, like there's nothing better than playoff baseball. No, not a single person sitting down. Everybody's going nuts on every single pitch. Everybody's engaged. It's, it's something that hopefully one day I'm able to go to a world series game, but it's, it's definitely something that if you have the opportunity to go to or even watch, you got to turn it on because there's no other energy like it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I sometimes don't, I don't catch a lot of the regular season, but I try to catch every playoff game. Like, cause like that it's electric and like the intensity, like any other sport in the playoffs is like, it elect, goes up even more and it's electrifying in there. I agree. I agree, man. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's gonna, it's gonna be a, gonna be a fun on October season, that's for sure. Absolutely. So uh, let's go into talk about some unwritten rules of baseball. Like we've had so many discussions about this. Like we've like when we message message each other. Like, what are your takes on some of these unwritten rules that MLB has set? So for me, for me, it's really tough. I I'm I can understand why people have kind of turned off to watching baseball a little bit, just for all the new rules that have come into play. Like, you know, checking, checking pitchers to see if they have foreign substances on all their uniforms and their belts, 
Um, I'm going to say this out loud, but I hate the replay system for the MLB. I know it's great, and I know it's it's awesome for making calls, but that's what's so great about baseball is the calls that were made in the moment, right? Yeah. You know, those are the choices that people had to live with, and whether they were right or whether they were wrong, that's what made baseball fun. And you know, a lot of a lot of the things that are going on with it right now, I think what would make it a lot better is just going back to its roots and going back to the way baseball was played, you know, back in the nineties, back in, you know, the early two thousands was the most fun time to watch baseball. Granted, I still love watching baseball. Now I catch a lot of games that I'm going to watch all of October, but it's, it's watching those guys fight for every single inning and out, which there was just something about it. I feel like the game maybe has changed a little bit. Um, now, granted, I love the pimping the home runs. You know, I love pitchers celebrating when they strike dudes out. You know, you get it where pitchers will strike dudes out and they'll go crazy and the hitters are sitting there like, come on, man. But, you know, if they would have just hit a ball 380 feet, they would have been standing at home plate watching it, you know? So it's it's one of those things where, you know, energy and swagger and atmosphere is now a big part of the game. And I'm, I'm loving it. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I love it too, especially like when uh, I, I think – Tatis Jr. hit that 3-0 grand slam like I I love that like if if you're a pitcher like I'm sure you you you'd say the same thing like if you didn't want him to hit a homer and strike him out then or like don't give him a pitch right down the middle to make it 3-1. exactly like, if you don't exactly. want him to hit a homer don't give him a pitch that he could send 400 feet dead center like it's just it's- stupid that some pitchers complain about that stuff well, and that's, that's the whole thing, right? When you're at a level like that, you know that every single guy one through nine can hit the ball out of the ballpark, no matter what pitch you're throwing. Yeah. And especially to Tatis. And it, that's what's kind of the frustrating thing about it too, is like when you're playing at a level that's so high and you're, you have to earn a paycheck, you have to earn your spot because guess what? If you don't, there's hundreds of kids below you that are willing to take your spot. And I think it's great. I think it's great. Let people rip, throw whatever pitch you want in any count, let hitters hit in any count. I don't know. I, I think people just need to get back to letting these guys play the game that the game, the way the game should be played. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I don't get. Like you have a job and your job's to help the team win. If that's hitting a homer, like do that. Like I'm not going to sit on a pitch three, three Oh, right down the middle. And like, it, it's a fair game at that point between the batter and the pitcher. Like, you should not be complaining over that stuff. I agree. Scared money don't make money. So that's my always opinion on that stuff. So yeah. you can't be you can't be scared to fail. Yeah, exactly. And then just pitchers celebrating. Like I love that stuff. Like we've seen so many pitchers do that this year, and like they've started some bench players just because of it. But it's like you, I lo- I love that energy. Like if you don't have that energy for the game, then like what are you doing? Like why are you playing? Like it's all about energy and like having fun. So if that's what you want to do go for it well exactly it's all about momentum right i mean why do you think there's enforcers? i i like to use it i think hockey and baseball are very similar like why do you think they have enforcers in hockey why do you mm-hmm. think some people get in fights in hockey it's it's because they need to fire their team up they need to get that extra energy to be able to either you know skate harder in the third period or you know play harder in the eighth and ninth inning and you know baseball is a game of momentum and it can switch like that and for you to have that type of 
enthusiasm and energy at the end of the game. I mean, that that's how I coach. That's how I played. You know, I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to be energetic and I'm going to be, I'm going to be upbeat because that's how I know I'm going to get in your head. And, and you know, as soon as I use the term, I'm reading a book right now by David Goggins, he talks about taking souls. And as soon as I have you in, I know that I'm in your head, I've already taken everything away from you. And I know I'm running away at that point. And that's what I love about it. And you you just kind of love it. You got to embrace it. Yeah. It gives you, it gives the game so much energy and like everyone, like throughout those like videos that you see on YouTube of just guys doing that, like you see in all the comments, they're like, this is what baseball should be like. And it's just like you, people love the energy. That's what, that's, what's going to bring people to the game. It's just the energy and like, just the, the good sense of like baseball and like getting back to like what it was in like the two thousands, like 2010 range. Yes. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. And hopefully we can see a little bit more of that in October this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's so like, what are your thoughts on bat flips? Like go for it. Like if you hit a homer, just you can bat flip all you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, I mean, if you take a dude that's throwing 95 miles an hour and you rip it to, you pull it 380, you better celebrate that because you're not going to get another one the next at bat. And one of my favorite people to watch is Tim Anderson. One of my favorite people to watch. He cranks a homer, he takes his bat, throws it at his dugout, gets super fired up, right? Like that, that to me is a kid having fun. That to me is not having a job. It's a lifestyle. And I, I love every second of it. If you, we always talk about celebrating the little wins, right? Especially in a game of baseball when there's a ton of failure. And if, if that's what you want to do, if you want to sit and watch it, you want to bat flip, go right ahead. You better believe that my next pitch is going to be challenging you. It's coming right after you. It's, it's I'm going to attack you. It's, I'm not going to give you that break like I did last time. And I love it. I love it. I love every second of it. Yeah. Uh, Tim Anderson is the, the best for that. Like he, he just throws his bat like a javelin towards the bench and gets the, gets the boys going, gets the crowd pump, the crowd bumping, like gets himself pumped. Like there's nothing better. And like, I remember like the bat flip uh, by Jose Bautista in the playoffs. Oh, I don't know what year it was. God. Yes. When it, that, that was electric, like Toronto went and he goes, insane. He goes, yeah, and like I, I forgot, you know what year that was? I think it was like 2000. Is it 15? 15, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And like, like that's one of the like best like bat flip, bat flips I've ever seen. Besides like, like Tim Anderson's bat flips, like those are some of the best guys that can bat flip. Yeah, it was 2015. Yeah, so yeah. right on the right on the dot against the against his Texas Rangers. Yeah. No, that that's a big rivalry too and like that just bat flipping like that like it creates even more chaos and more more like energy throughout that throughout that stadium i don't know if you remember this one it was two i believe it was 2011 when david freeze was playing for the st louis cardinals they were playing the texas rangers in the world series and the rangers were down to their final out and the, or no this was the game before that and david freeze ended up hitting a walk-off homer in the ninth to send him to game seven, I believe. And it was like one of the most electric moments I've ever seen in my entire life. It was my sophomore year of college. I remember sitting on a couch in one of our apartments and we went nuts. And I, it's just like those moments in baseball where you just, you'll never forget them, never forget them. Yeah, I do not remember that, but I already pulled it up so I can watch after this episode. So I'll, I'll awesome. send you I'll send you my thoughts after I, after I watch that one. Beautiful, can't wait to hear them. 
Yeah. So like going into like continuing on to the MLB this season, it's like what have been what have been some of the games that have stuck out to you within the past few months? I would, you know, I would definitely say I've been watching the Yankees when they won on that nine game winning streak. They won nine out of their past eleven games. And what I think is crazy is how hitting is contagious. And same thing with the White Sox when they start catching fire. And you can also say the same thing in the Brewers when they started on the beginning of the season when Yelly was going crazy and Colton Juan was going crazy. Um, but I would definitely say probably because I'm a Yankees fan, so I would have to say majority of the games that I watch are Yankees games. But um, just watching their team come together and watching how disciplined they are at the plate. Um, but also I love their attitude and swagger when it comes to teams. I don't know if you saw the bench clearing for all that happened the, the other night, but John Carlo hit a John Carlo hit a home run. It was when they were playing the Mets, and that was when it was yesterday when Francisco Lindor went three for four with three bombs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, as he was rounding second, Lindor said something to him, and and just that that tenacity and and that attitude to me is that's that's baseball. That's what I enjoy watching, and that's competitiveness. That's that's spirit, and that's fun. And I would definitely say, you know, once we start getting more into September, close to the end of September, you know, you're going to really start teams really fight and pull and claw to get in a position in October. And this is probably my favorite month besides October to watch baseball. Yeah, you're doing whatever you can to help your team win the game and move up in the standings and get get into a playoff spot. Like that's what it's all about in September and going into going into playoff baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and my favorite game that I've that I've seen or watched recently has been like the Crosstown Classic when the Sox uh, beat the Cubs seventeen to thirteen. The game out, yes, at, like that. How many, how many home runs for that game? Do you remember? Six, I think. Three. Yes. It was like four by the or three by the Sox, three by the Cubs. But like Cubs start out that game like six nothing. Like they're hitting. The first inning was all like all all Cubs and then bottom of the first Cub or the Sox get one off of Tim Anderson RBI I think Tim Anderson double and then like going in the second I don't think anything happened but the third the third inning was when the Sox hit got eight runs that inning like I think there was like two or three like there's like one homer or there's a there's a homer that was like a three-run shot and then like it was just a bunch of like doubles RBIs like all that and then like it seemed like every odd innings, like one, three, five, seven, like those were the innings that like everyone scored in. And then like the last, the last two innings, I think the Sox got like another four runs, making it like 14 to nine maybe. And then in the top of the nine, the Cubs hit two homers, three, two pitches, two outs. Oh. And like the lat, like back to back batters, like, it was, like it was like dead center almost that's so and awesome then, and then the Sox finally closed it out and it ended up being like 17 to 13 like you would not expect the game to be like that from the start when it was six nothing Cubs right away that's awesome and those are the games that you like to see a lot of home runs a lot of runs scored um and just watching the battle go back and forth you know pitchers duels are always fun but just watching people hit it out of the park and scoring a bunch of runs and a bunch of hits it's and also being at the game I'm sure it was amazing yeah. Yeah, and it's something about like the Crosstown Classic. Like, I don't like I'm a Sox fan, but like I don't hate the Cubs. Like, I'm I'm a Cubs fan as well. Like, I'll I'll say it. Like, I don't hate them. Just like I know I'm gonna get a lot of crap for that, but still, like, 
it's both teams from Chicago. Like I'm a, I'm a Chicago fan, like Chicago guy, like got to cheer for both teams. But on that day I was cheering for the Sox. Absolutely. Let's go Sox fan. I hope they make it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do too. So my, uh, my final like thought for, for this episode is what are what's your thoughts on Shohei Otani pitcher legend and a home run legend. So like, this, what are your takes on that? He's an alien. Um, just, I don't understand. I don't understand him. He, to be able to put yourself through that, to be able to pitch as well as hit, um, and to be as successful as he is at doing it, you can almost kind of start to see a swagger to a little bit developing every single game. Um, but I think he is an unbelievable player. He has unbelievable talent. Um, he will be a future hall of famer, 100%. Um, if he can continue to stay healthy. And, and that's the thing. The Angels, I feel like if they can get a little bit more healthy, Trout obviously needs to stay healthy. But Shohei Itani is a future leader. I think he's going to be a huge market player within the next couple of years. Um, he's also going to have an opportunity to earn a lot of money as well. Um, but I would say he's one of those players that comes around once in a lifetime. And he's one of those guys where like, I'm not an angels fan, but if the angels are playing and I got a chance to watch him pitch or watch him hit, I turn him on. And he's, he's doing something special in baseball that no one's he's, he's had records that no one's done before. And for someone to do that in their first year coming in is pretty special. Yeah. You would not think of a pitcher that's going to be leading the league in homers like that. That's crazy. And like the pitchers for the win, just, and he, he has not hit batting practice since like, I believe he said his sophomore year of college, like he has not hit batting practice once and he's still leading the league in homers. Like that's, that's something, that's something else that's incredible because he has so much power, obviously. Yeah. And he can hit to all fields. He has power to all fields. He has unbelievable discipline at the plate. Um, As a pitcher, if I struck him out, I'd keep that ball because it's not going to happen often. Yeah, it's a it's a once in a once in a lifetime thing. Like you're, I don't think you're ever gonna see a pitcher leading the league in homers. Besides, if it's Otani again, no, never, never. There'll never be another Shohei Otani. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think this will wrap up this episode. But Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time and appreciate you telling your your baseball career story and talking some MLB with me. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on this. It was honestly an honor and you've been doing great things with this podcast. I I really encourage you to keep grinding and keep doing it. And I can't wait to watch future episodes, man. Absolutely. We'll have to get another round two episode going soon. I'm down. Just let me know when. Oh, yeah.